0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. I'm Amy, the Marketing Executive at Bright, and today I'm excited to welcome Adam Zullo onto the podcast. Adam is the CRM Manager for On The Beach, and for those of you who haven't heard of On The Beach or have not been on their website, then you may recognize them from the recent TV ad featuring the one and only Iggy Pop. On The Beach are in the business of selling beach holidays, and on this episode, we are going to explore the extraordinary marketing campaign that On The Beach executed during the pandemic and how they achieved a whopping 40% email open rate. And for anyone who doesn't know, the industry standard is 20% so this is an incredible statistic that for any marketing team especially during a time when holidays were basically non-existent so let's get into it welcome Adam
1: thank you for having me You're
0: very welcome we're very excited to have you here so thank you so much for joining to kick us off please could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what the day in the life of a CRM manager on the beaches looks like please
1: Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, so I mean, I'm based in the Northwest. I live just outside of Manchester and the office for On The Beach is in Manchester City Centre, so near Piccadilly. But yeah, we're, we're currently hybrid working, so the majority of it is at home. A few office days sprinkled in, and I think that'll be increasing a little bit from January onwards. I've worked in CRM space for nearly six years, starting out as an email exec briefing and building emails, kind of moving towards managing databases and forward planning the whole CRM strategy. That's currently what we're doing at present day. So worked on the beach for nearly three years as CRM manager, look after email push, SMS, and then some direct mail campaigns as well. We have a small team of execs work on our trade side of the business with myself overseeing the work, which is kind of primarily what they're doing, but also the automation side. So things like abandoned baskets, scrapbook, post, booking, ancillaries, they also work with closely with a number of uh, stakeholders, such as like product owners, contractors, data scientists, you name it, CRM kind of works with it. The industry as a whole, very exciting one. Obviously, it's seen a huge amount of trauma these last 18, 20 months, but travel is coming out the other side, really strong, and probably stronger than actually when it came in. And I mean, if you think about it, who doesn't want to book a holiday? But the good thing is about this role is you have a huge amount of responsibility and if you have an idea you can really make it happen on the beach.
0: That's fantastic. Are you seeing lots of new bookings now that we're coming out of the pandemic but also going into the colder months as well? Are people desperate to get back on the beach?
1: Yes and no yeah. When we released our free Covid testing promotion it coincided with the end of our kind of off-sale message. We decided not to sell holidays during summer due to uncertainty. We've obviously been through a, a period of nobody's booking holidays and things have been a little bit crazy but It's kind of a period now where bookings do reduce up until you get to the peak of January. So we had the free COVID testing offer. It went crazy. Everyone started booking holidays, but it's kind of peating out a little bit until we get back to that peak period.
0: So could you explain a little bit about what sets you apart from other holiday retailers? Yeah, so I
1: mean, we're technically like a a mediator. We don't own any hotels and we don't own any airlines. So we basically package the deals together and then the customer gets hopefully the cheapest price. But the really great thing about OnBe is that we hold our customers' money in a ring fence trust account. So this essentially means we can't access it until the customer has travelled. So in the case of refunds, we can hopefully give that cash back to the customer pretty quickly, which helps us to obviously build a lot of trust in the industry, which obviously over the last nearly two years has been kind of fraught with a lot of chaos.
0: Of course, yeah. So how do you send that message across to new customers? Is it on your website? Do you email them about that? Like, how do they know about that particular, the ring fence that you talk about?
1: Yeah, so it's on our website. You can find it on on the home pages, but we also send welcome emails. And and as part of that journey, the welcome journey that you receive when signing up to emails, you'll see that within our content. And we do try and highlight it kind of in like USP bars, within emails, but it's something that, you know what, we don't gloat about it enough probably because we've not really had to gloat about it. Usually people book a holiday, they go on holiday and there's no cancellation. So we obviously do talk about it a little bit more now. And when you join our mailing list, Hopefully you'll see that straight away as well.
0: What are the key ways you keep in touch with your customers?
1: Yeah, so our primary channel is email. It's cheap. Some still call it a free channel and it's a way to communicate at scale and fast. But we do use other methods. So push is a great way to broadcast a message. It's also very cheap as well. SMS and direct mail, other channels that we use on occasion, but they're more expensive and therefore less cost effective. But depending on your audience and your message, they're also like a really great way to interact with customers and obviously other projects.
0: So how do you collect that information then on your customers and how does that inform the messages you send out?
1: Yeah, so in terms of signups, we ask for email address and in some cases, first name. However, we mainly receive the bulk of the data from either a booking or what the user's actually doing on site. So if a customer is identifiable, then we can see what they are looking at, such as hotels, the board basis, where they're flying from, where they're flying to, number of days of traveling. And when we receive this, we attach the data to basically a user's profile, some places call it a single customer view and personalize our content and our email content accordingly on what we've learned. Obviously there's a limit to what we want to collect and we're not going to collect data which could be seen as intrusive. So it is good to have limits on what you want to process, and also there's limits on what you're allowed to process as well. But being a small team, we tend to send our most engaged segments. However, we can use this behavioral data from on-site behaviors, or even click and open data from emails to create smaller segments of who we may want to interact with. So for example, we know that an all-inclusive customer, they usually go on to repeat purchase another all-inclusive holiday. That can be in the range of kind of over 80% retention rate. So we know generally an all-inclusive customer wants to receive all-inclusive content. If we send them a room-only deal or offer or themed email, they're probably not going to open and they may unsubscribe. So it's about using that data that you receive, obviously in the sign-ups, but also the behavioral stuff that you see from when the user is actually on the site.
0: Brilliant. Well, it seems very logical to me. So if we go back pre-pandemic, what were the key goals you were striving for in your marketing and what were the engagement levels like?
1: Yeah, our main goal was bookings. So we wanted to increase year-on-year year by around 15 to 20%, which I know sounds like a big target, but we had big but very still achievable ambitions. Our content was was recognizable to our audience and we were capturing market share really well, but it was first and foremost acquisition led and that means flight releases popular destinations, basically clickable content. And engagement levels back then, they were good, they were really strong, but not probably as strong as we are coming out of the pandemic. So we've learned a lot during the time of being basically off sale as well.
0: Yeah, so going back to when the pandemic hit, what were your initial reaction to the lockdown? Was there a lot of panic across the team? How did you adapt? And did you manage to adapt quite quickly?
1: It was a bit crazy. That's the best way to describe this. I mean, everything literally changed overnight. So we stopped sending emails. I think it was Friday the 13th of March. It it feels like such a dark day, not just because (laughs) it's Friday the 13th, but also because countries started to shut their borders. So it was a little bit panic stations, but at the same time it weren't. So the first like about three weeks of the pandemic, we had to help our contact center in respect to okay, Marrakesh has shut the border. We've got thousands of people that are due to go on holiday or thousands of people that are trying to come home. Let's send out a bulk email that can hopefully just tell the customers not to worry or actually go to the airport as quick as possible because marrakesh is about to shut its borders so there was some mad times and obviously we really had to adapt to that and because we stopped sending emails we we did this becoming more at one with our kind of service communications so when we sent out these comms these service comms we saw open rates in excess of 90 percent. i mean this is understandable a customer wants to know what is happening to their holiday whether they can get home whether they can go abroad we noticed that plain text emails something were reserved for post purchase questionnaires and kind of privacy policy, update comms, we're seeing a huge spike in opens. And that's because they were landing in different mailboxes. So they were given higher priority. So when you send a plain text email, it can usually end up in a primary inbox rather than a promotions inbox. And you'll see that particularly on Gmail. And because of that, it meant that we we obviously got higher opens. An IP reputation is probably something to talk about another day, but basically the more that someone opens an email, And the more safe it is, the higher it'll either land in someone's mailbox or the less likely it'll be to land in people's spam. And that's what we found. We found that we were getting good reputation because we were sending emails that people really wanted to read. And because of that, we were getting fantastic open rates.
0: Oh wow that is so interesting so were the emails like quite straight to the point and quite formal what tone were you taking?
1: Those service emails they, they were obviously serious because people's monies and whether the holiday was going to go ahead were basically being discussed with them, them, them emails but we did learn a lot from that and using things like the word important in subject lines we noticed would get a higher open rate so we basically took that learnings into our marketing plans that I think we're probably going to talk about a bit later on, but it's something that we probably didn't take as much notice of pre-pandemic until we actually had to live and breathe it during the pandemic
0: as a, as a whole has it brought you all together or are you more sort of working from home now and you're a bit distance how's it been going
1: for me it was hard to adapt to at first I, I loved being in the office and I think being in marketing I think you'll probably know the same as well like it's nice kind of like that really good camaraderie I feel like you can get some really good idea creation and we were worried that that was going to basically disappear from work at home but in all honesty the team and senior staff made it easier and simpler for us to work in still a collaborative environment and like in addition to that we have company-wide meetings with the senior team and, and they keep us posted with new and interesting news in the travel and business space we also had company-wide socials over zoom including like comedians come in so that was a really nice change of pace yeah from the four walls of our home offices
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Are you managing to get back into the office and have in-person socials now?
1: Yeah, we were in the office just this week. So it was nice to see everyone. We've got other teams coming back into the office as well. So it's nice to have that back on the agenda. And I think it kind of feels like you're like reconnecting with people, like long lost family or something. But it's it's, it's nice (laughs) to see everyone.
0: I totally agree. During the pandemic, you basically had to stop selling holidays. I watched you do your talk at the Festival of Marketing. you were talking about anti-trends. It was definitely like an anti-trend to do what you did during the pandemic. Can we break down the thinking behind what you did? And how do you know that this was the right approach to take at such a sensitive and difficult time?
1: I'm going to reverse a little bit further back as well. And I'm going to be honest, originally, I'd say that we got our strategy a little bit wrong. So we stopped sending our highly bookable content and changed to content, which we thought would increase engagement. So informative destination related emails, looking to target users who have either been or shown in Interest in that destination, so we were looking at. Remember earlier we were talking about behavioural content, so there's search and abandonment data, and we started personalising emails with data customers have provided us with, and then segmented them based on who would find this content interesting rather than for broadcast messaging. But what we found is that although this content is really engaging for those who have been on site, it wasn't engaging enough to retain those who have not opened in a long time. So what we had to do is we had to then change our plan so how do we keep our actives active or at the very least within a window of activity and we use information that we mentioned earlier that we learned from the service comms we sent out so remember those 90 percent plus open rates if you use words like important you'll see a higher open but not only this we found that timely updates into users primary inbox achieved much higher opens and engagement so we know what people are opening now how can we actually utilize that We don't like to make it easy for ourselves. As you just mentioned, we stopped selling holidays and it weren't because the industry weren't allowed to, it's because we took the decision to do that air travels reopened and as you mentioned business took the decision to stop selling holidays all airlines holiday companies pushing for bookings in a market which has basically been parched for 12 months we wanted the customers to trust us and we won't be pushing you to go on a holiday when it could potentially be cancelled and what actually did happen is we noticed that I think it was Portugal at the time, they went back on sale for Portugal, all the other companies in the industry. Two weeks later, Portugal got removed from the green list and put straight away back onto the amber and red list. And at that, time. I, don't, I feel like you're remembering this happening.
0: Yeah. At that <laughs> yeah. very
1: moment in time, we'd obviously said that we're not going to be selling summer 21 holidays. So we, we really did come out smelling of roses, really. But because our database has become very perceptive to our updates on these government announcements, they've started really basically reading what we say. So we call them reputational emails, not a type of email we, we ever sent before. And that, as you mentioned earlier, was our anti-trend to start sending these reputational Plain text government announcement updates. So when we send an announcement, they listen, open rates in excess of 40% on our active list and then our inactive lists, which are people who've basically not been engaged with us for over 12 months, they were actually close to 20%. So as you mentioned right at the start of the call, our inactive list are as active as some people's active lists. So yeah, this really allowed us to reactivate and re-engage our customers and enabled us to basically increase our active engagement by around 53% over around three weeks. And then that led perfectly in time to our free COVID testing promotion.
0: Wow. And so it was senior management on board with this?
1: Yeah, it was the company's decision to take holidays off sale, a very punchy strategy. Um, so you can see we work for a company that is willing to listen to new and interesting ideas. But having said that, some of the reputational content came from senior management. And so when they take a risk, we believe we can take a risk as well. So for us, it was absolutely fine to do what we were doing because they were willing to take those type of risks and and obviously the company saw huge reward from it
0: yeah so you're quite well supported what does your top management team look like
1: from a marketing point of view we have our our chief marketing officer who oversees both brand and performance Got two directors at that level and then it works its way down into we've got a brand team currently only small Uh, a head of strategy on that side a brand manager got head of pr and then on the other side we've got head of data got myself crm manager and we've got a couple of other managers in terms of content and PPC. But we're a small unit. That's basically everyone probably around 15 to 20 in the whole of the marketing team. But a 4250 company, we are quite a small operation at present.
0: But sometimes that can work in your favor, right? So if you have like a smaller team, the more riskier decisions are more likely to go through because there's less people opposing them, I suppose.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's a small structure. There's only really a couple of people that you need to speak to to try and get an idea off the ground. And again, mentioned earlier, I work with stakeholders across the business with the product teams and tech and development through to data science. So if you've got an idea, although there's limited resource, there is opportunity to just grab them all together and try and push that idea through. So it's a positive, definitely not always a negative.
0: Definitely. So what are engagement levels looking like at the moment? Are you still seeing the same level of interest or have people just gone back on holiday and aren't really looking at their emails anymore?
1: No, yeah, engagement is still strong. But however, we are moving away from the Opens Metric mainly due to the challenges the CRM community will see from the iOS updates. But the good news is that the industry is back to a place closer to pre-pandemic levels, and this means we can go back to our core objective, which is booking lead content.
0: You mentioned the iOS update. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? What does that mean for email marketers?
1: I'd say it's probably the biggest change that's happened in the CRM space for maybe the last fifteen years. For anyone who doesn't know about iOS fifteen. How it works we can see when a user opens an email so we can see down to the second within the data when somebody opens an email and when you download ios 15 you'll be presented with an option on apple mail whether you want to protect yourself or not protect yourself if you select protect that'll mean that we as crm people who use esps esp email service providers will no longer be able to see if you didn't open an email so in that sense when we send an email we'll also believe that you've also opened an email if you're using ios 15 and apple mail so that causes like a huge issue really if your segmentation is based on opens and a lot of people's are it means that you'll start receiving more emails rather than less so actually that protection from apple mail is not ideal because you're receiving a lot more comms from people and if marketers don't adapt to that, they'll actually start seeing higher unsubscribe rates. They'll start seeing send time optimization issues. So again, email marketers, we have tools where we can send emails at the exact time Time that we think you're going to be opening that message. So there's a huge amount of problems that comes from this. So segmentation is going to have to have an overhaul. We were talking about behavioral campaigns. So I look after a lot of the automation. We were talking earlier about post-purchase communications, ancillaries. We use a filter to say if somebody's opened an email. Again, if we see that everyone's opened an email, we must be thinking that they might be engaging with that content or especially that subject line. So that again causes more problems for the customer because we might be thinking, okay we'll send them another email because they opened it when actually they might have never opened an email which was about the holiday booking and we didn't realize and that didn't enable us to then send an SMS or a push to hopefully grab their attention to let them know about maybe some important piece of information. So it's a huge issue. I'm trying to make it sound as dramatic as possible because I think (laughs) it is. Um, But if, if people don't adapt to it, I imagine we'll see higher unsubscribe rates, we'll see less personal communications, and we'll be seeing people receiving the wrong messages on the wrong channels just because they don't have an idea of how they're actually opening
0: yeah it's quite scary really and it's always always a challenging time in marketing isn't it we'll include some links in the show notes and also in the blog post that we write up afterwards so you can find out more about that okay so going back to your marketing could you give us some examples of the types of analytics tools that you use to test your marketing efforts
1: yeah absolutely so we we split test everything most esps have a b testing tools built in usually test subject lines body copy send time as mentioned although that might become a bit of an issue soon in addition we're take a look at GA to understand the sessions and conversion rates and our UX guys have tools at their disposal as well. So we can usually track how uh, a customer is moving through their journey. So we've got a lot of tools at our disposal and that enables us to create the best possible journey for a user.
0: So what are your top tips for marketers looking to ramp up their customer engagement levels? And if they're having any problems considering the last um, 18 months, what's your advice to them?
1: Yeah, I'd say this last 18 months has been a roller coaster and therefore don't panic. You can have periods of time where your database is not engaged, but you can improve this when the message and the time is right so yeah although we saw issues where we saw our our lists really reduce in size but we knew if we kept people engaged within a certain limit the demand would return to the industry and we could really profit from it when we send correct messaging to them but if you're looking to boost opens i would strongly recommend sending emails which can land in primary inboxes Plain text, simple emails, also including the customer's first name and the subject line will vastly increase your open rates. But we'll test everything because this might help increase engagement. But Check it doesn't also increase your unsubscribes. So weigh up every positive because there might be a disadvantage of doing something. And then if you're looking to boost your orders, try to add more personalization. If a customer has been looking at a turkey holiday, add a dynamic banner to your email, which is related to turkey. Nudge them back into that booking journey and hopefully you'll see the reward of them. The making an order or a booking at the end of it
0: fantastic That's really good advice can you tell us what email service provider you use if you're allowed to
1: yeah we currently use iterable we integrated with them prior to myself joining but very good esp would recommend them so iterable if you're listening just 100 pound <laughs> at the end of this call will be perfect thank you <laughs>
0: Oh, that's fantastic. What is your top beach destination and why?
1: This is tough. We've been on holidays, obviously, pre-pandemic and, and loved them. But I would say because in October 2020, because it felt like freedom. We were, were obviously still in the pandemic. 2020 was a crazy year, but we found a week where we could just escape, go to Greece. It was on the green list. And it was gorgeous. Blue sky, warm sea, plenty of gyros. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But yeah, what more could you need? It was it was just fantastic.
0: Oh, sounds like a dream. Yeah, we went to Scotland recently for our first holiday. Scotland's beautiful, but it's just the novelty of being able to go somewhere after the pandemic. I think really helps. What are your top three must-have items to go on a beach holiday with?
1: Stay safe, kids. Pack your sun cream. Always around your sun cream. No, my job is <laughs> died for me it's, it's a pack of cards you're not playing Jim rummy or uno on holiday are you even abroad so definitely pack some cards and then just sliders or flip-flops i mean you can't go away without them don't forget your swim shorts that's about it for me sunglasses let's not forget sunglasses
0: yeah perfect i i couldn't agree more well thank you so much adam it's been an absolute pleasure and i hope you enjoy your next holiday wherever it might take you and yourself Thanks for listening to the Big Bright podcast. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and check out our website at builtbybright.com.